go. It is episode three of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm Joe Serralo. Joining me, my man Mackenzie Rivers. Catch him on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. Catch me on Twitter at the Joe Serralo or on Instagram, of course, at Joe Serralo. If you want to see unnecessary pictures of me working out, Mackenzie, how you doing, my man? Feeling fine. Eight no in my last eight pregame picks. And more importantly, for this moment right now, you and I, sir, went 2-0 on episode two of the NBA show. Excited about that. Let's get some more winners out for you guys. I'm very excited about that. And I'm very excited for these best bets because with all of the uncertainty and the craziness surrounding the NBA, we talked a lot about it last episode. We'll talk more about it right now with COVID ravaging professional sports once again. You know, those best bets are a lot more important than they normally would be. Because right now, in a lot of cases, the best play is to stay away because you've got roster turnover, games getting canceled left and right. It's really hard to tell what direction the league is going in. So when we come out with our best bet every episode, the one bet that we are so certain of, that is the bet to follow because it's tough if you're betting in volume right now that it's just impossible to be successful. And one of the bets we talked about, but we said we need more information, we were actually oppo on. You were thinking the red-hot Cleveland Cavs would get it done in Milwaukee. I said if if all the guys are there, Milwaukee's the better team. Well, I didn't even have to do the research. As soon as I saw the number that came out on Friday, Cavs minus three at Milwaukee, I'm like, oh boy, it's not just Giannis on the COVID list. And then you look at the starting lineup and yeah, no regular Milwaukee Bucks starters. Not uncommon the last couple of weeks. The Cleveland-Atlanta game where I was all geared up, I'm thinking, hey, Atlanta, they had a few days off. They're rested. They might be a good spot against the Cavs on the second night of a back-to-back after their win of the decade, maybe, at least since LeBron left. They hadn't beaten the Bucks at all. I didn't know this till after the game since March 2019. So they have their win of the year. I'm thinking I'm ready to fade them. The Hawks are going to beat them. Game pulled off the board. I saw the line moving, and that get, get, stopped me from betting it from Hawks minus five to minus three and a half. But so often you look at these line movements – And your first reaction is that doesn't make any sense. And then your second reaction is, well, I just got to get on Twitter real quick because I'm sure there's a good reason the Cavs are favored in Milwaukee. And yeah, it's because nine out of 10 Milwaukee Bucks right now have COVID. And that was a rare instance for me where it actually worked out, where COVID actually worked to my betting advantage because I was, when Cleveland was plus three, that was the projection we had. I was saying, take the Cavs money line. And those would have been way better odds than ultimately where it opened at what? Wasn't it Cleveland minus three at the end of the day? Uh, yeah, closed uh, four and a half, but it opened Cleveland minus three. Yep. Yeah, I mean, absolutely wild stuff. Like you said, the Bucks nine out of 10 guys have COVID. I mean, McKenzie, I was looking at the box score earlier. I didn't recognize uh, three or four guys that started, forget that played, that started for Milwaukee. Unrecognizable lineup. Are you saying you don't know Sandro Mama Kalishkalvilia? 17 points? Sandro... Mama Ganoush, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, dude, <laughs> no. Jordan Nawara, no, what's your name now? Hey, DeMarcus Cousins, I know that guy. He used to play for Kentucky. Yeah, he was out there. Yeah, I think I've, I think <laughs> I've heard of him. I think I've heard of him. I mean, come on, you look at the Brooklyn Nets right now, and it's like, who's their leading scorer, David Duke? I mean, I'm looking at that, I'm going, holy crap. They let, they let the Grand Wizard on the basketball court? <laughs> that guy would not last a minute in Brooklyn, by the way. Let's be very clear right there. <laughs> but look, COVID's ravaging basketball. Trey Young. Uh, that you know, you mentioned that Hawks Cavs game you were looking so forward to. Trey Young is on the list. Andrew Wiggins with Golden State, a new addition to the list. The Nets, like I, I mentioned, David Duke being their leading scorer. Well, now they're postponing games because no one's healthy. And speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, I want to get your take on the Kyrie situation. 
because Kyrie was off the team, refused to get vaccinated, not allowed to play. And now all of a sudden, the Brooklyn Nets are bringing him back in a part-time role. Must be nice. What do you think about that situation? Must be nice. $40 million to your bank account. Well, I guess he doesn't get paid for home games, so $30 million, let's say. Here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, this story was floated out there that it perked my ears up. It said, Kyrie may be open to a plant-based vaccine, because I guess there's too much pork in, in the Moderna one. <laughs> and it, it, I didn't necessarily think that was the all clear, but it made me think both sides are finding a way to try to save face and get this thing done. Because let's face it, the Brooklyn Nets pulled a 180. They said... They're put, their integrity has to come into question when they said, this is our team. We don't want any part-timers. Either you're all in or you're all out. They said that in October, but right now in December with half their team out, they need bodies. They need someone else to spell Kevin Durant from having to handle the ball for 40 minutes a game. They need Kyrie Irving if they want to fulfill their championship of staying upright and eventually winning an NBA championship. They need them now, sooner rather than later. So I think... As much as I agreed with the decision in October that you you can't play part-time players, you got to have people committed to the team. Right now, it's all hands on deck, and I can't fault them for making this about face. Well, I have to be honest. I mean, what's wild to me about this is that, look, if the Nets were playing 500 ball and they were struggling without Kyrie with just KD and Harden leading the way, it would still be a selfish thing to do, but I think I would understand it a little better. The Nets are the one seed, though. I mean, they're the one seed. They're atop the Eastern Conference alone up there. And now they're making the decision to bring him back. I mean, games were inevitably going to be postponed anyway. So it's not like Kyrie out there is currently playing tonight for Brooklyn while KD and Harden are out. You know, games are being postponed. They probably won't play again until KD is available. And you were doing just fine without him. So I don't really get it. Truthfully, I don't like it. I think it's unfair to his teammates who did the right thing, who got vaccinated. Uh, I think it's unfair to their families, to their inner circles. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of bringing him back. You know, you mentioned uh, the nonsense about the plant-based vaccine option. Give me a break. You want an impossible burger, dude? Is that what you're looking for out here? An impossible burger? I mean, give me an absolute break on that one. Look, I haven't liked Kyrie Irving for years. This is only making the taste in my mouth that much more sour. But, I mean, going back to, once you tell me the Earth's flat, I'm sorry, you lose me right there. I've always had the theory about the Earth is flat comment. What Kyrie Irving wanted to say was, I'm better than LeBron at basketball. But he couldn't summon the strength to say that out loud and have to face the the public mockery. So he said something equally as outrageous in his mind, that the Earth was flat. That was always my pet theory, because he doesn't uh, have any other, you know, metaphysical theories that he likes to promote as much as that one. Kyrie Irving is an interesting cat, uh, possibly the greatest ball handler that we've seen in the league, you know, since someone from the... Since AI. AI's right up there. Maybe uh, Curly Lambeau from the Globetrotters is up there. He he does some amazing things, and I respect his game and his dedication to his craft. At the same time, I'm with with you. If, if If you're in a fraternity, if you have brothers that you know would do anything... To get to this mountaintop, Kevin Durant would do anything to lead a team back to the mountaintop and win another championship. I don't see the qualm you have. It seems like you rather just, rather than any particular issue with the health or or your Aaron Rodgers said he had an allergy, which no one ever heard of before. Yeah. It seems like it's more about self-aggrandizement with Kyrie. 
And that's not something you want to feed into if you're trying to lead a team. But it looks like they felt that it's interesting. They felt that they had to do it right now. But nothing's really gone wrong. This is all in preparation. They're, they're still title favorites. The Westgate here in Nevada moved their title odds from plus 350 to plus 275. So a slight upgrade with the Kyrie news because we still don't know how much or whether he's going to play. But they made this decision in preparation, not because they were slipping in the standings, but because they said this can't happen. We know too much about load management to let Kevin Durant you know, pretty much do a 2007 LeBron leading this team for 40 minutes every game. LeBron's a freak athlete. LeBron is once in a generation physically. Other players, it'd be difficult to ask them to do that for 82 weeks. That's why you build a team, not orchestrations of players. But what do you, what do you make of the timing? Why do it now when, I mean, I guess they didn't know that their players were going to be, that their, their games would be postponed, but you're right. Why not? wait until it's absolutely necessary and see if you can't get Kyrie to come back and join the team the way you said he had to a couple months ago. Yeah, that, that that's exactly the part that I'm struggling to figure out. The timing is what makes absolutely no sense to me. Although, going off your point, the only thing I can think of that makes a little bit of sense is that KD is working too hard. I mean, right? can we agree that James Harden now is not the James Harden of 2017, 2018? Like, James Harden is a great complimentary piece, and if he's your second or third best player, damn, you're a good team. But right now, he is not winning a scoring title. He is not an MVP candidate. It is KD doing the boatload of the work for the Brooklyn Nets, and that is a problem because he is not LeBron. And look, right now, maybe here in 2021, Kevin Durant is a better player to have on your team than LeBron, and I'm from the LeBron is the GOAT camp. Right. Just full transparency. That's where I'm coming from. And I know you're from Chicago and I know you're a little older than me. So those are two reasons that you probably hate this young 23 year old arrogant jerk for saying that. But I come from the LeBron is the goat camp right now. Durant is probably the better player, but physically there's no comparison. Kevin Durant, while he is a bucket, right? Him and Steph Curry, two best offensive players in the league. KD is one of the best offensive players of all time. He's fragile. I mean, the guy's got chicken legs. And he's way more prone to injury than a person built like LeBron James who could be Mr. Universe if he wanted to. So Durant is definitely working too hard. And I hate load management. And I think it's ruining basketball to an extent. But with Kevin Durant, it's entirely necessary. Entirely necessary. So you bringing that up, that might be the only reason that I can find that makes sense for bringing Kyrie now because they're the one seed. They're not losing games, at least, you know. They're losing games at a a lower rate than everyone else in the Eastern Conference. So it it really doesn't make sense from that perspective. It's got to be load management. I think we got to the answer, and it's not the answer that we want. It is load management. It's the fact that Kevin Durant has played 39 minutes, reverse chronological order, 48 minutes, overtime winner, 41 minutes, 38 minutes. This is after a 10-game stretch where he was averaging 40 minutes, where Steve Nash said this can't happen. He's playing too much. The next game they rested him. Since he's come back, he's played even more. He's also been even better. I mentioned this stat, I think, in our first episode. To start the season, Kevin Durant was red hot, 57% from the floor, 30 points per game. Then he cooled off significantly. Those 10 games, right before he took a day off, much worse shooting. 45% shooting, even though he was playing 40 minutes a game, much less points per game, about 25 points per game. Since he's been back, 40 points per game, he's gone 50% shooting the last four games or better about 10 assists a game, about 10 rebounds a game. 
There's no probably about it. Kevin Durant is a better basketball player than LeBron James, and that's not bad company because Kevin Durant is probably the best basketball player in the world, bar none. Steph Curry might be as valuable to his team, not as good as a player in my opinion, but it's an interesting conversation, the GOAT conversation, because are we talking about racehorses? Because LeBron James might be the greatest racehorse. This is what a superstar in the NBA should be, night in, night out, puts up stats. Or are we talking about guitar players? No one cared about Jimi Hendrix's fifth best show. No one cared about what he was doing and, you know, they cared about Woodstock. They cared about the moment when everything was on the line. Who was the best at their craft? So those are two different conversations. We're talking about uh, productivity and longevity. Or are we talking about the highest heights, that moment where Jimi Hendrix is playing what sounds like a bomb, but it's actually the Star Spangled Banner. Th those are the moments I care about basketball. And I think Kevin Durant is in the GOAT conversation. He says, Kevin Durant says Michael Jordan won, Kobe two, and then everybody else with distant third. I think Kevin Durant belongs firmly in that distant third, although Kobe isn't too, but he's right there. He's as good as anybody, as we've seen at this game of basketball. And I continue to like his over points prop since he's been rested and he's going to be rested when he finally does come back. He's gone over 30 points and I think 11 straight games that he's come back after returning from injury. I know he's been averaging 33 because I did it when I told you about that prop and I know he went over again. He's a very, very good player when rested. I think probably scores 35 a game if he could take five days off like an NFL player between every game. And I think that's what we're going to see when he comes back. Look, look for him maybe on Christmas. Maybe that'll be the first game back to go big scoring night for Kevin Durant. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be cutting it close. I know the NBA from a revenue standpoint is praying that the Brooklyn Nets are playing oh, yeah. on Christmas Day. I mean, they might break some protocols to get that game in because that's what these leagues do at the end of the day, right? It's all about revenue. They can talk about player safety. The dollar speaks more than anything to these guys. But we're talking about LeBron. We're talking about COVID. Let's talk about the Lakers because they've got a mix of LeBron James and COVID. And one guy <laughs> who's active right now is the guy we opened the show last episode talking about being inactive. It's Russ Westbrook. I mean, were you as stunned as me? Did you have to do a double take when you saw him on the court against Minnesota Friday night? Yeah, because I was reading the same reports as you. Double take is actually the exact word. Looked at my CBS Sports app, and I'm like, wait a minute. That line isn't where I thought it would be. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. And then somehow the Timberwolves still blew him out. That's I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know that. I mean, we saw the line move from the Lakers' slight dogs to the Lakers' slight favorites. But surprising to me that it, they were only – slight favorites in that game against the Timberwolves. It shows you where they are right now. My power ratings at the beginning of the season would have made them a five, six point favorite in Minnesota. They aren't that right now, even when they get their players back like they had Friday with Westbrook. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, Westbrook aside, when I saw Lakers minus one, I was feeling pretty good, right? I just hit my best bet of Golden State minus three against Boston. I was six and oh on the week and I took the Lakers minus one. Ruined my, ruined my perfect week. It was a... Uh, it was tragic to say the least, really. <laughs> Six and one isn't tragic. Six and one is 85%, I believe. Nice job. Nice, nice little run there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good five-day stretch. And then, of course, you know, football came into the picture. And uh, it was a different story. Still a winning week, but uh, didn't finish up the 10 units that I was up going into that Lakers-T-Wolves game. So we got the Lakers, and we have the Phoenix Suns. Now, tonight, because this will air on Tuesday, so Tuesday night, Lakers-Suns. And the Lakers at home, this sums up the kind of year it's been, they're getting six and a half points. Now, we've got more on that game later on in the show. But looking at Phoenix, Devin Booker, 
back from a seven-game absence, and he came back with a bang, not necessarily him, but his team blowing Charlotte out by 31 in a game that they were favored by eight and a half. Are betters not talking about the Phoenix Suns enough? Well, that would continue a trend. Last year, the Suns were kind of like the Cavs this year, just unbelievably good against the number. In fact, if you go back this season, last season, and take Chris Paul's last season with Oklahoma City, where they were the surprise team of the season, just backing Chris Paul teams has been a 60% ATS plays for now two and a half years. It's remarkable. And what's painful about it is my last two bets regarding a Suns game were against the Suns because I'm I don't believe it. How is he better at age 38 than he was at 32? You look at the numbers, he's at least just as good. And you look at the leadership, you look at the kind of team that, that they've put together around Chris Paul. He's probably the most underrated player in the NBA. And I think there were years where he was one of the more overrated players with the Clippers, but not right now. You look about the intangible stuff, like not turning the ball over. It's funny. Bring back LeBron real quick. AJ asked me this, uh, AJ Hoffman, pregame great here in pregame studios, mentioned this to me off air. He's like, how I, I can get Michael and Will or Bill Russell and a few of these players, but how could you put Bird ahead of LeBron? He's better than him at every single stat. And I'm like, no, he's not better than LeBron at every single stat. Free throw percentage counts. Turnovers per game counts. These things that are the bottom of the box score that no one ever thinks about, guys like Chris Paul, Larry Bird, and LeBron think about because they know those little edges add up. Even if it's not in the box score, even if it's not tangible, they add up. That's why you can't bet against Chris Paul right now. At least I can't. I am taking a sojourner from fading Chris Paul, because I looked at the number 60% for two and a half years. What am I doing? It's Chris Paul or pass for me going forward. Yeah, it's a pretty good sample size, especially when you even factor his Oklahoma City team on there. But Chris Paul aside, you look at the Phoenix Suns for the past season and a half, and let's even dive into the bubble when straight up they came out of nowhere to go 8-0. and I mean, the Phoenix right. Suns have just been a phoenix quite literally rising from the ashes ever since the first COVID break and the bubble. I mean, the Phoenix Suns have been a completely different team since the original COVID outbreak. Now, Jesus, I can't believe I'm saying this, nearly two years ago. And uh, and they've been amazing. And you look at them with Devin Booker. Now, I know we talked about with Chris Paul. And, and yes, I think, you know, I've always loved Chris Paul. Um, always been one of my favorite players. So I don't really agree that he was overrated. But I will say what maybe makes him better now at 30, what is he, 38? 38, yeah. And I want to say, I thought he was overrated. I think the data has proven me wrong on this one. 2013, McKenzie was wrong. Chris Paul was never overrated. (laughs) And and that's fair. And it's always good. It's always a, a good look to go back and admit when we're wrong in these instances because God knows all of us are wrong more often than we're right. But with Chris Paul, I think the reason that Maybe he's not better as in more talented, but better as in more productive now is because he's shooting less. And he's one of the great mid-range shooters of the past 20 years. But in a three-point league, unless he's hot and he's feeling it, he doesn't force it. He is a pass-first point guard, and ball security is his first and foremost um, responsibility. And so for Chris Paul, not turning the ball over, finding his teammates, and of course, given, you know, now he's got really talented teammates, starting with Devin Booker, of course, I think that's what's making him look at 38 just as good as he's ever looked in his career. So 
you know, personally, I think we need to talk about the Suns more. They're against the spread, 16 and 13, which ties them for the eighth best cover percentage in the league. But when Devin Booker plays and the Suns are at full strength, they're 13 and 9. That cover percentage of 59% would be the sixth highest in the league. And if we're only accounting for games at which they're at full strength. So I think the Phoenix Suns are sneaky. They're a better covered team than Utah when Devin Booker plays. And we all talk about how much we love to bet the Jazz. Um, but yeah, they're right up there with Chicago, Miami, other teams that get more attention than them. You know, uh, there's Cleveland, Golden State, and then the rest. And I would put Phoenix right up there in that three or four spot with with like a Memphis. Now is a good time, I think, to do a little title odds update. Here at pregame, we do a shopped consensus. What is that? Well, the Westgate might have one opinion. FanDuel might have one opinion. Bet Online might have one opinion. We really want to get to the truth of what the odds are, not what ex-bookmaker thinks. So we think, if I'm a good better, I have at least three outs. So I'm getting the best number more often than not. And if I look for the best number, throwing out outliers within three outs, what would the odds be? Well, the Brooklyn Nets are favored about three to one. The Warriors, six to one. The Bucks about eight to one, the Suns nine to one. Now they were seventeen to one when the season started, but they were nine to one on December first. And even without Booker, they continue to be red hot. Man, the Bucks just won it, and they're seven and a half to one. I think I like the upside. I mean, the Bucks had a lot of injury help on their way to the title, and so did the Suns. But the Suns have. 23, 24-year-olds, and Devin Booker, and I think DeAndre Ayton might be even 22 or younger. Those are the kind of guys that can take that leap because to beat the Nets or the Warriors, you can't be as good as you are right now. You've got to take that leap. And DeAndre Booker, they're 3-8 ATS without him the last two years. I think he is taking that leap slowly but surely. And Barack Obama told us progress, uh, progress is not in a straight line. He had a bad Game 5 and Game 6 of the Finals. Those are the kind of lumps you take if you're going to be a championship-winning superstar, which I think he could be. 9-1 to is still not enough for me, though. I need 10-1. to Give me 10-1, and I'll, I'll throw a flyer on it. Well, I, I actually love 9-1, to and the only two of those four odds uh, that I'm rolling with are Golden State and Phoenix. With Brooklyn, I just think that there's too much uncertainty surrounding Kyrie. Uh, I think James Harden has regressed. I, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be holding up the Larry O'Brien Trophy at the end of the season. And then with Milwaukee, you know, we've seen them look dominant at times this year. We've seen them look lost at times this year. Repeating a championship in any sport is wildly hard. Basketball, ironically, is probably the sport it's easiest to do so in, but I don't see it happening right now. And I'm sorry, maybe this isn't backed by stats or logic, but just a piece of me says Chris Paul's got to get a ring before he retires. And I think this year it's it's down to Golden State when Clay comes back, if he catches fire, or the Phoenix Suns. I agree with you. James Harden isn't the player he was even last year. And you talk about it takes a little fortune. The Bucks were down 0-2 to the Nets in that series. They were also down four points in Game 3. So they were about 60 seconds from going down 0-3. No team has ever come back from that. Of course, they pull out the miracle win in Game 3, and then Kyrie gets hurt in Game 4, end up barely squeaking the series in seven, but nothing about last year made me change my mind on the Bucks. a very talented team like the Jazz, but I don't think they have the guard play to beat the best teams in the league. The Suns do. Talk about NCAA tournament 
playoff basketball, so often we see the guy with the ball in his hands when palms are sweaty, makes the final decision, makes the final factor to win or lose the game. The Suns have two guys that I want to have the ball in, in their hands in the backcourt. That's why I think they have more upside than the Bucs, even though Bucks are defending title champions. Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. Hey, let's get to some best bets. And we're going to have more on this Phoenix Lakers game shortly. The line's already out, which, you know, is kind of rare to have an NBA line 24 hours plus ahead of schedule. But the line's out. I can't wait to talk about this game. But first, I want to start with the game Wednesday night. The Cleveland Cavaliers heading to Boston to take on the Celtics. I had a lot of success in Boston Friday night myself. The Cavs are 19 and 12 straight up. We don't need to repeat ourselves every episode because we're going to be talking about the Cavs whenever we talk about a good team to bet on. 24-5-2 against the spread. It's wild. It's amazing. It's over, what, an 84% clip. It's insane. So what are your thoughts about this game? What are you looking for? No NFL team that I've seen has ever finished one 16-game season with that kind of 85% clip ATS. I mean, in the NFL, there's a lot more eyeballs. You could argue that the Vegas market is a little sharper and can adjust faster. But yeah, historic stuff. Never seen a team stay this red hot. And I was all, I was still doing my homework, but I was, I had, I had my finger on the trigger trying to bet the Hawks against Cleveland. And then the market went against me and we saw that Young out ended up throwing the game off the board. But I want to see, I want to see more because even without Mobley, which they didn't have in their last game at Milwaukee, they look just as fine offensively and defensively. They play so differently with their bigs and the way the rest of the league is going. Maybe the other teams are, are just aren't prepared for it, aren't ready for that kind of intensity, kind of size that they bring with Jared Allen, Kevin Love, and others. Isaac Okoru, surprisingly good this season. What do you think the line's going to be? I have my projection here, but you kind of seem to be ahead of the, of the train, the freight train coming down the tracks with the Cleveland Cavs. What do you think this line, what do you think a fair line would be? And I'll tell you what my projections say. Well, it's a road game. The Celtics, as of now, are fully healthy. Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Cavs don't have Mobley. I'm going to say Cleveland minus three and a half. Cleveland minus three and a half. Wow. Okay. Well, one factor and we should talk about is that it's going to be the second night of a back-to-back. Celtics currently winning 82-84. Wait, no, 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 no. Celtics are going to have a day off. They're going to have Tuesday off. It's a Wednesday game. We are talking about Wednesday show. All right, throw that out. So that uh, general two-point disadvantage for a back-to-back road team or home team, we throw out the window. Man, so you think you think the, the Cavs are like five points better than the Celtics? Because you think not only should they be favorite on the road, but they should be three-point favorites? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's a piece of me saying, you know, they just shellacked Milwaukee. Again, Milwaukee had, you know, they, they were missing their entire big three. Um, But Cleveland's covered in what, 14 straight? They did. Uh, I mean, so I feel like you have to make it a line that's going to entice people to bet the Celtics. And I feel like plus three and a half at home, people will be enticed to bet on Boston. I appreciate that analysis. That is really how Vegas books do it. For example, Alabama at one point covered 15 first halves in a row. Alabama football team. So the first half line would come out. Eventually it was just like something that seemed goofy. Like they're favored by 10 in the game and favored by nine and a half in the first half. Eventually bookmakers are going to have to make that stand if they're just getting killed every game. I don't think the Cavs 14-0 streak is catching that much publicity. So I don't think they would make that much of a major adjustment. For context, 
The Celtics were just hosting the Knicks. They were six-point favorites, meaning they're about three and a half points better than the Knicks, the market says. I think the Cavs are better than the Knicks, but not that much better. I have this as Celtics minus three and a half. Whoa, you have a seven-point swing from what I was guessing? Exactly, and I'm not saying that it's going to come out closer to my number. I think it'll, it'll come out closer to my number. I think the Celtics will be favored. But I was shocked when I saw the Cavs line versus the Bucks. I've been shocked at many Cavs lines because it seems like the bookmakers are just saying, okay, well, what can't they cover? And they've jumped over every hurdle put in their way. So this will be interesting. This will be an interesting little bar bet. Where does the number come out? Celtics three, Cavs three. Anywhere in the middle, I guess, we'll, we'll play uh, closest to the pin. Um, do you like the Cavs in this game? Let's say the line comes out at Celtics minus one. I do. If it's Celtics minus one, it's Cavs money line is my bet. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They've covered him 14 straight. I already said they're 24, five and two against the spread, 12, two and one on the road, four and oh, when they have a rest advantage, which they will because of the Hawks postponement. And then they're four and oh, with two to three days off between games. All of those numbers I just rattled off are first in the NBA in their respective category. Give me Cleveland. I'm going to actually go with the same bet. I went with ahead of the Bucks game when the projection was Milwaukee, I believe, minus three. If Cleveland is a one, two, three and a half point underdog, money line. If they are a four point dog or greater, take the points. That's my Cleveland bet. And they will have the rest advantage you talked about. Celtics currently playing right now on Monday night. Cavs got their last game postponed. So they've just been gearing up, licking their chops for facing the Celtics on Wednesday in TD Garden. Nothing on, nothing from me. I'll be interested where this line comes out. But excellent analysis. Let's move on uh, to our next game here. I promised you all that there was going to be more on this later. The LA Lakers at home. I mean, I can't imagine we've we've heard this since LeBron and Anthony Davis have teamed up, and of course now with Russ there, the Lakers are getting six and a half points at home. They're playing the Phoenix Suns, and the total in that game is 219 and a half. I'm not really much of a total better, but that stood out to me. Mackenzie, what stands out to you in this one? Everything lined up for me to like Phoenix here. I've liked road favorites the last, I believe, in this range. I looked this up when someone asked me on Twitter. I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, it might be 2019 to present. I'm pretty sure it's 2018 to present, though. 2018, 19 to present. If you took road favorites, favored by more than four and a half, less than 10 and a half, so between five and 10, and you bet them every single game, you've been cashing 56% of your tickets. And here's why. Here's the logic. It's about 50-50 this year, by the way, because the market is catching up, as I'll talk about in a second with this game. Totals have jumped up 20 points, 10%. That, those points are not distributed equally. So much of it has made this game, the way the three goes in and you – or it goes, if the three goes in, you got back on defense, you're doing great. The three misses, now suddenly you're facing a barrage of players on fast break the other way. Offense and defense are correlated. That's why you get runs. Your shot goes in, suddenly you're better on defense. You miss a lot of shots, suddenly you can't stop anybody. And these runs come at the end of the game, or so often in a tight game, it's about pick them. Whoever has the last run, and often the better team, the Suns here favored by six and a half, seven, the better team will have that last run. And even if you get all those points, ends up not mattering because a 20, 20, to 50, 20 to 5 run 
in the fourth quarter makes the difference, Suns pull away with it. That's why road favorites have been red hot. However, I talked about this with my last best bet. The market's just arbitrarily bumping these numbers up by two, three points, thinking, well, we're not going to be beaten in this system forever. That's why the Jazz, my power ratings made it nine and a half. Books came out, it was 12. Right here, I love the Suns. I think so many things are going wrong with the Lakers. I've downgraded them repeatedly on my power ranking. They only have the 23rd best net rating in the league. That's well worse than average, and I have them currently rated about average. With their current injury situation, we should mention Anthony Davis out for at least four weeks. Every instinct tells me to, to like the Suns here. My power ratings, even with all those adjustments, make it Suns by five on the road. Vegas market says Suns by seven. So I have conflicting data points. My power ratings say Lakers have value. My instincts say the Suns right now in this spot, get right game, kind of prove themselves as the number one team right now, keep the Lakers down while they can. Instincts say Suns, so that keeps me off it. I will be looking, and we mentioned this last time, LeBron has been grabbing a lot of rebounds. Now that Davis isn't there, we thought Westbrook wasn't going to be there, but now it's Davis out. He, he had 10-plus last game. Usually comes around around 7.5. That'll be a prop I'm looking for. LeBron over-rebounds. Kind of has to put the cape on right now with so much injury, so much uncertainty right now in a gotta-have game as an underdog at home. Yeah, and just for everyone out there, if you look at that prop total and you see LeBron's rebounds are up a tick to eight, eight and a half, as I noticed uh, they were in that Chicago game, I would do anything that's single digits. Take the over. I mean, LeBron right now is a walking double-double without AD. And, you know, you mentioned putting the cape on. LeBron's done that consistently throughout his career, right? When he's had to step up, he has time after time. And, you know, even at, what, 36 years old, he's still as physical as anyone in the league. And so anything, honestly, that's, you know, nine and a half or below, I, I would take the over rebound prop. I think he's going to be a walking double double for the next month. LeBron invests $2 million per year in his conditioning and his health and his body. Why not leverage that money that he's spending? Make your own, make yourself a little coin. Yeah, I think he plays 40 minutes. I think he does what he has to do. I like him to get a bunch of rebounds. So over seven and a half points and points and rebounds over will be props I'm looking at. Now, the market's going to adjust to this because right now it's more season-long stuff, but we're going to see without AD, it's a much more LeBron-focused team. And if you want some numbers to back you up on this game before we get into our best bets, you've got Phoenix, who, as I mentioned, with Devin Booker in the lineup, covers just a tick under 60% of the time. They are 5-4 and four against the spread as an away favorite, 10-4 and four on one day's rest, which is the third best mark in the league. The Lakers on the flip side, at home, 6-11 and 11 against the spread. On one day's rest, 9-13 and 13 against the spread. So whereas the Suns are the third best team to cover on one day's rest, the Lakers, 9-13, and 13, puts them as the fourth worst team in the league when it comes to covering. With equal rest, they are just 4-11 and 11 against the spread. That is the worst mark in the NBA. And this season, just 1-4 and four against the spread against their own division. Do with that information what you will. I'm not going to say anything just yet because my best bet will be taking us back to this game. So, Mackenzie, before we get to mine, what is your best bet? Ooh, a teaser. I like it. Well, open up your Christmas stockings, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to be off uh, on the 23rd. A little family time for everybody. But my best bet will be on Christmas morning. Get up early, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm going to take the Atlanta Hawks, currently minus one 
Now, as I mentioned, I was all geared up to play the Hawks against the Cavs. I actually like this matchup better. So to start the season, the Hawks, like the Bucks, like the Suns, kind of slept, walked to start proceedings. All these teams were Final Four teams in last year's playoffs. The longest season in, in NBA history went all the way to late July. The fact that this Hawks team that was neck and neck with the Milwaukee champ, the Milwaukee Bucks defending champions in last year's Easter Conference Finals started off at 3-10. and 10. You, listen, you listen to the podcast, Bill Simmons was talking about the Hawks. It's all from that perspective that this is a massively disappointing team. They've actually been red hot since. They've had a plus 3.5 net margin since November 7th. That's 8th in the league. So right right where I would expect them to be coming into the season. If we just chopped off their first 13 games, eighth in the league net rating, offense second in the league. We've seen this movie before. It's only Defense can get you so much, but when you have a focused team like Atlanta was in last year's playoff when they went to Madison Square Garden and won a few of these, the offense explosion will just be too much if both teams are high intensity. You can only put the knob up to 10. So if the Knicks are at 10 every game, all I need is a motivated Hawks team to make this clear value. They finally had some time to get used to the lineups without DeAndre Hunter, who's been out. They've had this Cavs game taken off the board. Now they have more days to get their squad in order. They're going to have high, high rest coming into Christmas Day. I like the favorite Atlanta Hawks to pull off the road upset. Actually, I'm going to go money line so close to the number. I don't really feel like I need the point. So I'm going to go plus 105 Atlanta Hawks on Christmas Day. Get up early, folks, because this one starts at 9 o'clock specific. Specifically, 9 o'clock Pacific, to be specific. And I like the Hawks. I like the, the better team on the road, kind of my bread and butter, plus 105. They're going to beat the Knicks. My man, I'm with you. I'm, and I'm a Knicks fan. I hate saying it. I hate saying it. I watched the Hawks absolutely eviscerate my Knicks in the opening round of the NBA playoffs last year. And for that reason, I'm with you. I think with a line so close, you know, I love going money line. I say anything three and a half or less. If you're going to go with the dog, just go money line. And I think that's the smart bet. Now, it's ironic as we get to my best bet, because when I tossed it over to you, you were the one who said, oh, he's teasing his best bet. And you know, Mackenzie, my nickname in college, which I'm sure you'll laugh at, was, you know, two years ago for me. My nickname was Joey Tease. And there's a few <laughs> reasons for that nick uh, that nickname. I won't dive into all of them, but one of them is that I love to bet a teaser. And so my best bet is actually a teaser this week, this episode. It is a same game teaser, and it's the game we just spent time talking about. It is the Phoenix Suns minus two and a half in the Staples Center, however much longer that'll be the Staples Center, I'm not sure of. But the Suns minus two and a half at the Lakers and under the posted total. I'll move it four points like a basketball teaser does. So up from 219 and a half to 223 and a half. So Suns minus two and a half under 223 and a half. And here's why. None of the six Suns Lakers playoff games last season went over 213 points. Why is that? Well, we know that in the playoffs, teams actually, for the first time all year, start to play consistent defense, so the totals are way lower than the regular season. Now, with the Lakers both missing Anthony Davis and just one game above 500, I believe that they're going to be playing in somewhat of a form of desperation mode here. So this game, 
I'm chalking this up as a playoff game. This game will be played with postseason intensity. Now, earlier this year, these two teams met the total hit 220. And that's why it's opening up at 219 and a half to throw you off. But in that game, Anthony Davis played 38 minutes and was LA's second leading scorer. Well, he's out altogether. And Devin Booker, who played 34 minutes and had 22 for the Suns, is easing his way back back into action. And he's not going to play 34 minutes in this one. So expect a lower scoring affair. I like the under alone at 219 and a half. But right now, I absolutely love under 223 and a half combined with the Suns minus two and a half. So that same game tease is my best bet as I look to go three and out. Let's keep it rolling. 2-0 last week. I'll say this. Some professional bettors might get on your case about teasing a total. Because you're affecting... A, <laughs> yeah, Fez might, might have a comment. But, you know, Fez has grown up in a way that allowed him to win. The thing about sports betting is these markets are sharp. They're trying to become more and more efficient. New ideas, fresh ideas like, hey, let's tease an NBA total. Why not? So given that... Because it's a total of 224 and I'm only moving at four points, I might be inclined to do a parlay of the Suns and the over because points matter less than they have in the NBA. But hey, if the Suns win by five and it goes to 221, I'm going to look like an idiot. You'll be cashing your ticket. I'll say this to your point, and I think it's a very astute one. The Suns last year had one problem in the playoff series, Anthony Davis. When he was hobbled, the Lakers had no way to score went way, way, way under their team totals. I expect a similar dynamic where the Lakers don't really have a lot of great scoring options with Bridges for the Suns being an elite perimeter defender with all the speed that they have. They kind of need the size of Davis to get the points in the middle. Without that, it's going to be rough. And at the same time, they're probably the hungrier team. So their defense will probably be under Vogel at a fever pitch. Makes a lot of sense to me. I think the Suns win, and I think it goes under. I would approach it slightly differently as far as my betting, but 3-0 and speaks for itself. I think you were uh, red hot in the NBA this past week, so you know I'm not going to try to talk you off of anything because I'm trying to learn, just like everybody else, there might be situations where getting a team under three makes sense in a teaser. Hey, look, I, I will say this. I know I'm just the new guy over at pregame, and I know that Fez is the, you know, the idol at pregame. And I know he's the seasoned <laughs> vet and he's the one who's made a living off this. And I'm 23, right? Some snot nose shit trying to cut my teeth. So if I'm off on this and it's because I tease the total, Fez can come see me and he can chew me out and rip me a new one. And I will take that graciously. But I do want some acknowledgement from him if this hits, especially, <laughs> especially if that total falls between 220 and 223, and that's the reason it hits, like I said, I think the under straight up 219 and a half, I think that's a really good play uh, because, you know, to to put it at 219 and a half, when the last time they played, it hit 220, but this time around there's no AD and there's a 60%, 70% Devin Booker, I think that's Vegas just trying to make money off of the uneducated folks who won't do their homework, do their research, and actually look into the game. Because to me, it makes no sense whatsoever. But I love a good tease, so I'm going to ride with it in this one. 100%. To your point, these totals are made by computers. For example, I've noticed that the Grizzlies' defense has been a lot better the last 10 games with Tyus Jones and 
as the starting point guard and not John Morant, who's an excellent player, but very young, not as fundamental as other players that play the defensive version of the point guard position. But every time they put up a total, they put the total that was exactly the same as the last time they played. Been fading that strategy. Now that John Morant's back, I'll have to think of a new angle. But definitely, these books are not looking at a player-by-player, situation-by-situation basis. How could they? There's too many of them. They put their number out there, and they let us betters pick off where they're weak. This might be a situation where they are, like you said, very, very different dynamic than the last time these two teams played. May result in less scoring. That's what your money's at. I tend to lean that way. Of course, you can get my official decision on whether I'm playing the Lakers Suns total by checking me out on pregame.com. Seven and three on totals, eight and no, all sports run. I like to think it's because I'm relaxed. I get an outlet here to do a little podcasting, kind of freeing me up a bit. I'm not sure, but I'll take it where I can get it. Let's keep going. Two and oh last week, another two and oh. I can smell it. There you have it. We're both hot. We're both off later this week for Christmas. So we will see you with a brand new episode next Tuesday morning with some more best bets and hopefully we're a combined five and one when we get there for Mackenzie Rivers follow him on Twitter at Mac and Rivers for myself Joe Serralo go follow me at the Joe Serralo and on Instagram at Joe Serralo folks we hope we make you some more money and we'll see you next week